Hey everybody, and welcome. This is a special bonus episode of The Artist Files, and I am here with my good pal, Matt Francesini. Killed it. Nailed yes, the pronunciation. I nailed the last name. That's actually so nice to know. Yeah. I actually, I've been saying it the way Bradshaw always says it forever. <laughs> well, Bradshaw says it the actual correct way, because when my grandparents moved from Italy, no one could say Franceschini. Oh, yeah. that's how it works in Italian, so we changed it to Francescini, but still no one can say it. <laughs> but now you know. So it's both. Either way, <laughs> I'm both. right. Cool. Yes. So Matt here is a um, guitarist, a composer, an arranger. Um, we go to school together at Capilano, and Matt just released an album uh, a week and a half ago. Yes, a week and a half so ago. So let's talk. What, let's uh, let's dive into that a little because that's right. kind of like your main main thing. Yeah. So the album is called Rosedale, and it's available if you want to check it out anywhere that you consume music digitally. Uh, yeah, the whole thing is just kind. Of, it, honestly, stylistically, it's a bit of a mess. Uh, <laughs> I come from a rock and metal background, and now like the last two years have been nothing but jazz. So like we're slowly beating the rock and metal out of it, but definitely yeah. not completely. Yeah. Uh, some songs have strings on them, like arranged bits. Some songs have like, like a John Mayer style backing band, but yeah. instead of his dreamy voice, we have my guitar going instead <laughs> yeah. of his dreamy voice. And, totally. uh, then other ones are just like solo jazz guitar or arranged as like a jazz quartet. So it's all over. The- oh, and then there's also one song that's, um, got like really dreamy synths and trap drums on it sweet <laughs> all over the board yeah that's pretty cool though yeah i i like it because i listen to so much music it's hard to pin down but uh yeah no it's it's a broad scope of everything that i listen sweet. to yeah i think that's so important actually like it's actually pretty cool because then you could listen to it and never get bored yeah you know you can always you could just listen to one one track it's going to be more rock based and then the next track it's like like you said, like hip hop or like something else. And yeah. it's like, yeah, I'm into this. Cause totally. then people can pick their favorite songs like out of it. And it doesn't, everyone would, everyone could pick a different song definitely, and it would never be this, the same song. Yeah. Right. And I tried to like, with the track listing, I tried to disperse the like more energetic bits or like, so that it's constant, every song, like listening to it, it's going to be a switch up instead of having it sound like three smaller projects put together. Right. In one release. Or like, you know, eight, like super fast songs and then, or like super like heavy songs. And then yeah. like four, like just so super slow, super totally like low energy song. Yeah. Yeah. Tried to keep a balance on it. Totally. <laughs> well, let's, let's dive into some of these questions since we're going to release this episode totally. instantaneously. Instantaneously. It's going to be pretty fun. Patreons. What up? Yeah. My patrons. <laughs> Woo. Okay. So we got the first question basically is why did you start playing music? Like what sparked that at a young age? Totally. For you. So, um, I believe my family was on vacation somewhere in Alberta and we were staying with family friends and they had a Wii with Guitar Hero 3. Sweet. And so I got addicted to that game because I couldn't do it and I was like, why can't I do this? And so like I progressively went through and nothing ever really clicked through that. I ended up getting a Wii in Guitar Hero 3 for my birthday. But then when I was like beating the game, Slash comes out and you have to play a guitar battle against him. And yeah. I saw him do that. And then you play Welcome to the Jungle. And literally the second I finished Welcome to the Jungle, I turned around to my mom and I was like, I need a guitar for my birthday. I'm going to do that. <laughs> and so 
tastes have shifted a lot since I was nine and got my first guitar <laughs> and wanted to be Slash. But that, totally. that's totally what got it all going was Guitar Hero and Guns N' Roses. That's sweet. <laughs> that's pretty cool. You know, actually, <laughs> um, on the third episode yeah. of this, my buddy Connor Hoppenbrowers almost had the exact same thing happen to him. He played Guitar Hero 3 and he's like, this is sick. I'm going <laughs> to I want to be a musician after that. Yeah. Which is yeah. super hilarious. So it's all guitar. Hero. And that's pretty cool that you actually remember like that. It's almost like a specific moment. Oh, no, totally. You. Yeah. Like yeah. I saw Slash come out and I saw him play and I was like. I'm gonna do that. And you're like, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, because you know, some people they don't. It's not like one moment. It's just like they grew up in a musical family, and then they just yeah. it's just around, and they just do it. But it's like that's pretty cool. That you're like, yes, I'm slashing. Yep, that's me. That's it. <laughs> that's yeah, you. No. My dad, he he is a musician, but like not really a musician. He can right. doodle entry level piano, and he does like to do it from time to time. But I never really grew up surrounded by musicians. Right. I come from a family of educators. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like my dad. My dad's a huge audiophile, but not yeah. really a, like a, a guitar player like like me or you per se. Totally. And my mom is an, as a teacher as well, so it's just like growing up in that kind of. I just grew up listening to a lot of music, not really yeah, playing sweet. it. You know. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Sweet. So. The next question, basically for everybody else, is what you're working on. But that album yeah. was what you're working on for like the whole summer, right? Yeah. So then now, what are you doing now? Like, what's the plan? Uh, well, I actually just quit my job. So Sweet. <laughs> it's gig or die right now. <laughs> yeah, pretty uh, much. Yeah, looking to recruit more students and do more gigs around town. Sweet. Um, this is coming out Wednesday, which means I have a gig coming up on Friday, if you're hearing this. Yeah. As a part of Crave the Heights and Burnaby. But uh, yeah, no, right now I'm just shedding a lot. Um, I still have a few tunes that I actually have written since then because I find it really hard to turn the creative part of my brain off. Right. And so maybe my next release, something is going to be more in the, along the lines of like a jazz tree or maybe a quartet. Mm-hmm. Like, like kind of like live? Like they'll re- like yeah, how, yeah, how it'll be all live, right. which will be a massive shift from everything that I've released so far cool. because... Uh, Everything that's under my name, because I had an EP come out last summer as well, has been me in my room writing, recording everything and doing it all myself. And like producing the whole thing. Yeah, producing the whole thing. So like the drums, although they're programmed, I went in and like clicked every hit myself. I'm not Mm -hmm. using presets or anything like that. Yeah. And so using like the actual live band would be really sweet. Totally live is where it's at well it's a totally different environment too totally. like there's something to be said about doing everything in programming and because there's th- those tools are so crazy like yeah. i couldn't even like like i'd love to get more into programming but i've never really done it yeah and so just it's a it's, in, it's, intimi- <laughs> it's intimidating you know but totally. it's also it's a whole different environment when you're re- sitting with yourself just playing your music and then having to communicate with other people especially in like a quote-unquote like jazz setting you know yeah like having to communicate and having to actually play those songs and stay together and all that yeah, stuff. That's like actually really crazy. In mind. Yeah, totally. That's so crazy. I, I'm just thinking about that too. Like just the idea of having to, having to like, and playing with people that you want to play with too. Like, cause you'll yeah. have to, you'll have to find the right people for your album too. Right. Totally. And for you. So w- would it be probably all uh, like original material or are you thinking yeah. of doing like jazz standards or like, modern jazz stuff definitely mostly original but probably all original cool yeah sweet so when you're shedding like what kind of stuff are you working on right now i'm working on because when i started learning jazz i had the most amazing private teacher like mike preston shout out if you live in victoria you need to get lessons from him cool he um 
taught me from the time I was 10 until I graduated high school. And he was always very, like, because back then, like, I played guitar because I wanted to be Slash. Yeah. He'd be like, okay, like, I'll teach him Kiss songs or whatever. But then he'd also throw in, like, sporadic bits of Bach or Beethoven mm-hmm. and stuff so that I was actually, like, still learning. Oh, cool. And then, like, the turning moment was in um, high school. I got into jazz band. And then he gave me a Charlie Parker lead sheet. And here I was thinking I was hot stuff, but I couldn't play Scrapple from the Apple. I was just looking at the piece of paper like, what? I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah, this is so ridiculous. (laughs) And so that like started it. But since then, I haven't had like, I don't come from being immersed in jazz. It's been a more recent thing. Like I started listening a lot in high school. Yeah. But like the new thing that I learned last year that I'm still trying to integrate as much as possible into my playing is like voice leading and comping figures. Yeah. Because that was just never a thing. Like, because every rock song I learned, I was like, there is one position for this chord. Yeah. So I applied that same idea to jazz. I'd be like, this is the one shape I can play in E major seven in. Yeah. (laughs) And and like expanding the vocabulary of like totally chords and what in in like a strictly like a musical sense like what chord what voicing is on or what note is on the top of your voicing and and where that's gonna go and then what harmonies underneath yeah that and all it's, that kind so of it's stuff. like a yeah. whole new instrument honestly the way that totally practicing. but like yeah what i do is i typically like flip through um the real book and i'll spend like bits of time working on just like sight reading mm-hmm. and then i'll go through just doing like comping beneath it and I also have a ditto looper, which is like the best thing I've ever Dude, gotten. Dude, I got my the X too. Hell yeah. Yeah. Because like you can record yourself comping and then listen to yourself butcher the head of a tune yeah, in real yeah. time. <laughs> and so it's a lot more fun and interactive than just using like yeah. a backing track. Totally. So yeah. Cool. And it, it's it kind of gives you that sense of I could um of like of just just duo like not just yeah. like playing with a quartet you know like yeah. just like playing a guitar duo and then i think f- the way i've done it sometimes is i'll take my looper and i'll try and comp but i won't comp like every beat i'll comp like sporadically like if i was playing with a bass player and a drummer yeah and then when i when i go to play any melody or solo on top it's 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 way harder to keep the time yeah. because I'm not playing every, I'm just comping totally. like I, like I would be if there was someone else keeping time. Yeah. So it's like, you have to totally think about the time first yeah. and try to stay in time, which I think is really, really fun. And then when you're laying down that comping track, you have to try not to speed up because it's so hilarious to Yo, come out yeah. of comping and then go to play the head. And then it's like 20 beats per minute yeah. slower than <laughs> or faster. And you're like, I can't play this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is way too fast. You run out. Absolutely. Well, so from from high school, I mean, so you started playing guitar when I was nine. When you were nine years so, old, that's yeah. that's pretty pretty young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, um, outside of the Slash influence, yeah, like what other what other stuff kind of influenced you? Like what what were you playing? What were you listening to? Yeah, so um, I listened to a lot of dad rock. Sweet. It was like Slash, then like Guns N' Roses, Aerosmith, uh. Those were like my guys until I probably hit like 11 or 12. Then I got onto like a really big Metallica kick. Nice. And then Megadeth and stuff like that because Megadeth was like faster and harder Metallica. So it was like, oh. Yes. But (laughs) yeah, so I went pretty much from Slash all the way into like the last like real legit band that I played in was uh, Grinding Death Metal. Oh, sweet. And so like eight strings, seven strings, crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I went like 
all the way from slash to there and then it's like now i just listen to jazz yeah <laughs> that's crazy so like pretty wide spectrum of totally of, of yeah. rock and like um i know like I, I usually don't like i identify or like say it usually but like i grew we like i grew up listening to a lot of like top 40s from like yep. the 2000s so, like totally. do you find like that um still kind of comes in as your influence as well yeah under, totally underneath or on top of the rock stuff uh totally underneath as yeah. well because like pop music at the end of the day everyone especially a lot of people who have like a more sof- i don't want to say sophisticated taste but like people who are into classical jazz or anything that's more niche yeah they like to have their like elitism about it but it's like it's hard to write a good pop song yeah oh yeah <laughs> it <laughs> is hard there it's- are so many people doing it and there's not that many that are actually maintaining that level of success absolutely yeah that's crazy it is tough you know sometimes you try and write something with a simple chord progression and you're like you know like it just falls flat yeah and you're like this sounds boring but then you listen to somebody else who's already recorded a a hit and you're like i use the same chord progression and it's not as good yeah (laughs) right totally totally it's it's a whole different it's not better or worse it's like just a whole different musical world yeah that's pretty cool yeah and it's so crazy to think that um that like somebody else would think the same thing about jazz but it, it seems like jazz would be harder but it's 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 the same thing the other way yeah you know it's that like pop music is is a totally different world totally. than jazz which i think is so cool yeah so there's another question i got on here which is like um about obstacles for for musicians like yeah. um sometimes they'll face like individual obstacles or like big societal obstacles if they're trying to get started or you know you let's say you're like touring in a band and there's an obstacle that you had to face and it was a big one for you where like let's say if you're you're learning new music or you don't know what you want to do with your art or something like that like yeah. have you faced any obstacle like that Hell but before yeah. you answer that question all right we were gonna eat grapes and there's we didn't grab them so it's true we're, i'm gonna grab the grape all right <laughs> In post, you need to put, like, the Jeopardy theme in right here. (laughs) But, like, approximately 15 seconds or however long you can without getting copyright. (laughs) I don't know how long I can last, last, but I mean... Yeah, sick. Good. We got... Grapes have been acquired. Grapes are here. Okay. So... Obstacles. Obstacles. This is going to be a long one, because I got something i got stuff to say that is is totally great that's awesome but uh with like band on tour when i was 16 my band did like um we did a tour over spring break so that i could like not get screwed over in high school true and it was super sick but uh as soon as we hit like the coquihalla it was crazy snow because it was just it was march and it was there, there was Tons of snow, and we decided we were going to do a rip from Vancouver to Calgary in a day, which is about 10 hours of driving, according to Google Maps. <laughs> and honestly, it was going fine. The fact that this accident happened where it did is part of what makes it so funny, is because it was like the very last straight ride into Calgary. Oh, really? Yeah. And so for anyone who doesn't like know, hasn't done the drive, Alberta is so flat. You can see the city like five hours away and drive for four hours. And it looks like it's as far as as far away as it was. Very true. And so we, we can see Calgary. We're like, we're so close. And it was it was snowing, not like crazy hard. Like even from Victoria and Vancouver, I'd seen worse snow coming down, so it wasn't that bad. Yeah. There was tons of snow on the side of the road and whatever, but we were in a big truck, 
and we hit black ice. Oh my god. We did two 360s in the middle of the highway across both lanes and into the ditch. We missed a telephone pole by like maybe three feet. But like nothing we were fine. We we hit something in our truck that needed to get adjusted, so like we, we but we made it into town and like we're totally fine. But Oh so, my god. Yeah. We had like hundreds of pounds of gear in the back and that might be part of why we didn't flip, but we literally just did two three sixty, slid off the road and came to a stop. And like in that moment I saw like I saw white and I'm not gonna be like, Oh, it was it was religious or anything like that. It was snowing. Yeah. But <laughs> I literally, in that time, my mom was, my mom jokingly said before I left that she was like, ah, don't die on the way to Calgary. I was like, mom was right. And I accepted my death. (laughs) And then, and then we stopped and it was like, oh, and then everyone in the car, like, except for me, jumped out and was like running around in the snow. And we're all from Victoria and Vancouver. We didn't bring snowshoes because why would we do that? That's not punk. (laughs) So we're all in vans and skinny jeans and they're running around in waist high snow. Yeah. And then they came to my side of the car. They're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you hurt? Are you hurt? Like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. I just don't want to be scared and cold. (laughs) So that was a definite obstacle because of insurance. We borrowed our singer's step parents truck. She was the only person who was able to drive. Oh, yeah. And she had just spun us off the road through no real fault of her own. So mm-hmm. that was like, we had to keep morale. And then like through the rest of it, we meant. Yeah. But tour went fine. We barely broke even, but that's how you do punk tours. So that's true. That worked out fine. Totally. That's crazy. That's yeah. That's a wild story. That That's that's my go-to. It um, happened on my first time like touring outside of BC. insane i hope that i've like hit my quota now though yeah (laughs) it's gonna be an easier ride for me absolutely yeah and you find like and that's it's crazy because like that obstacle didn't really like it's it's super unplanned you know like it just kind of happened and so like you find like with that happening like that kind of sets you up for like just like taking it for what it is you know like for in the sense of like if you're doing another tour if you're doing something and something happens it's just like yeah that's just what it is you know that this happened you know yeah that's actually like one of the things that i always try to do whenever i'm feeling like overly stressed and whatever is i always try to break down situations and the first question i ask myself is like can i actually do anything about this yeah and if you can it's like i know it's hard not to stress about it or whatever but just like in your brain be like i literally can't do anything to affect the outcome of this and yeah it's already happened so As, especially if you're spinning especially if you're doing two 360s in the middle of a highway <laughs> in calgary yeah or that's, outside of calgary that's but, crazy yeah wow <laughs> that's intense it was a good time and then like the other aspect of the question like personal practicing mm-hmm. um whenever i get like because I do it all the time. I play guitar so much. Yeah. Like, since I was nine, I've probably played guitar. I don't even want to try and count the hours. But I always am playing. that, And I say playing, not practicing. Because some days are lazier days. And I just play because I love it. Yeah. I probably play, like, at least two hours a day. Right. And then, like, that obviously can stretch to, like, if it's crunch time at university, like, eight hours a day. And, like, yeah. seven and a half of those are very strictly practicing. But... Yeah. When you play that much, it's really, really easy to get bothered because you're not seeing progress and things. Because, right. like, I find that once you break the um, barrier between beginner and intermediate, mm-hmm. and then you keep progressing further and further in intermediate, working your way to professional, yeah, 
I think that the like instant gratification you get and the easier it is to pick things up is so much like you get so much less out of it. Right. Cause like when you're learning, you're like, I learned a G chord today. That's amazing. Yeah. I learned an F chord today. That's amazing. And then now it's like, I still don't like my improvised solo. <laughs> yeah. And then there's so many ways and so much information out there. But the way that I always try to get out of it is I just play a blues. Right. Like blue monk. Yeah. That tune just slays. And so if I ever, I'm just like, Oh, I didn't properly apply chord tones over all the things you are. And I fucking hit a bum note here. That's yeah. like, I always try to go back to blue monk. Cause it's just like, you can't have not have a good time on the blues. It's true. Yeah, I I love Blue Monk. It's like my favorite blues song. It's so good. It's so good. And you just like for guitar, you just like wank on B flat. Oh, and it's so greasy pent. too, because like the entire melody feels like someone like drunkenly stumbling home from the pub. Totally. It's yeah. so good. It's such a good song. It's my. It is my go-to, and I totally know what you mean. Like just take it back, because you go so far. You go yeah. so far into complexity that you're like. I need a break, you know, you I need to just, just play something like that. Or even sometimes I'll even just pick, pick up an acoustic or not, yep. not, not mine. It's Aaron's, <laughs> but, uh, nope. but I just pick it up and I just kind of like play yeah. like a chord. Like just, yeah. if it's like a D chord and it's like, you just play that one chord and you're like, that's like, that's beautiful. And that's yeah. like, that's enough, you know, like yeah. that's still music to an extent. So totally. I, I do that sometimes I'll just like play a chord. I'm like, listen to that chord. Yeah. That's cool. There's this one, you know Tommy Emmanuel, yeah? Yeah. He has this, do you know his song Angelina? I don't. Okay, well it is like, if someone asked me like, what is the most beautiful piece of music you've ever heard? I would say that like 100%. And I can't play the whole thing because Tommy Emmanuel is ridiculous. Yeah. But just the um the main figure that he uses, because he uses it as like the basis and then he does the melody over top. But what serves as the base for most of the song is just, like, so beautiful, and I have that. And so whenever I, like, that too, I, I grab the acoustic, and I'll play on my nice Martin Dreadnought, that Tommy Emmanuel, and it's just like, oh. Yeah, it just it puts you in a space. You're like, oh, I'm so relieved. Like, the yeah. music actually relieves you, and then you're like, okay, I'm good. Totally. <laughs> Let's go on to something else. Exactly. That's what I did yesterday. Aaron and I were listening to... um. <laughs> um Chick Corea and Bobby McFerrin yep. doing um, Mozart cello concertos. <laughs> it's so good, but yeah. it's just like his, bo like Bobby McFerrin's voice is just so amazing and pure. Yeah. He he could just his pitch is amazing. He's technically so good, but you just listen to him hit these intervals that a cello would hit, and it's like, oh, like yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I'm good. It's fine. Totally, it's man. fine. I'm all. I'm good. Which is crazy. So yeah, that's a pretty good thing. You kind of answered like a double whammy because another question is like, uh, like how do you stay creative if you're in like a creative rut? And so kind of okay. going going back to the blues kind of is is yeah. part of that answer. That's do you have anything else to add to that? Maybe. Uh, I just yeah, actually, um, I've always enjoyed like a wide variety. Well, okay, actually, I shouldn't. If I could go back and like kick my eleven year old self in the shins for thinking that everything that wasn't Metallica was trash, I would. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I've grown to accept so many um, yeah. genres of music. And uh, typically, like, if I'm working on something that's, like, too intense or I'm just feeling like there's just too much information in what I'm doing, I'll listen to something, like, completely different. Yeah. So, um, 
sometimes I'll talk to my girlfriend because my girlfriend doesn't listen to jazz at all. Right. She she's like come to jazz fest shows with me or whatever, and she always digs it when we're there. But she doesn't outside of that. Right. And so one of the things that she's gotten me crazy into is Post Malone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so like listen to something that's just drastically different than what you're doing right now. Cause then I, what I try to do when I listen to different styles of music is I try to grab something from everything. Totally. Cause like at the end of the day, it's all music. Yeah. It all fits on sheet notation. So yeah. it's all playable. Yeah, exactly. It's all, you can take it from, you can take something no matter what it is from that and yeah. just take it in and then like t- apply it to your own music. Totally. Right. And so I always try to do that with like a different style of music to try and right. reset. And then if I'm like feeling really overwhelmed, I tend to go to like singer songwriter, like strip, like very stripped down stuff. Yeah. Like probably my favorite singer songwriter right now is Julian Baker. Do you know her? I don't. Okay, man. She's like, she will break your heart. She is so sad. <laughs> oh, but like, no. She has such a powerful voice and she just uses like a guitar with heavy reverb and like looping yeah and it like i could listen to like night drives it's like julian baker or nothing that's crazy like i could listen to her for hours and then the other one i always go to is uh because i got it on uh limited edition white vinyl so i already pat myself on the back for that but yeah <laughs> leonard cohen's album he released right before he died oh wow it's like soup have you heard it i haven't it's like super chill pretty much just like drum and bass loops but like stripped down and he's like he doesn't really have a voice left so he's just talking like this that's but it's like spoken word poetry and it's just it's got a vibe man that's crazy that's actually so cool you know i've there's so many different ways to to kind of get out of those ruts and every musician every artist probably has that right but i think i think you're on to something actually yeah in the sense of like if you're doing one thing like go and experience something else and then it, whether it's music like music related or not like yeah. just go do something different and then come back and you you might have like a different take on it totally. which i think is pretty cool and then the other thing the last like little button i'll put on this one is like don't be afraid to leave your instrument for a sec like i practice a ton and but there are days where like well okay no typically i i'd say i've probably played a guitar at least once a day for like the last 10 years but yeah if you don't really feel like practicing, like hating what you're doing and going through it, I find is less productive than just like taking a day Forcing to yourself it. or something. Like, yeah, I'll always like pretty much when I wake up, I have too many guitars. Every guitarist yeah. has too many guitars. Oh, totally. <laughs> and so like I have eight scattered through my room and they literally just like surround my bed. So before I even go up and eat breakfast, like I'll strum through the changes of a song and then right. go about my day. But if you don't feel like practicing, do something else that's productive or that even if you just need to take like a day to play video games and not really care. Like totally. I just think it's stupid to keep an instrument in your hand just cause you feel like you have to yeah. like, take the time off because if you have it in your hand, you're not actually gaining anything anyways. Yeah. And you don't have to, like, no one can force you to, to, to be musical. You know, totally. that has to be a you, like a you decision. And so I think that's, that's something I've always stuck with too, is that if I, there's something to be said though about like if you don't feel like practicing to try to 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 like obtain the skill to get yourself into a, a musical headspace yeah like to to build that as a skill saying i'm totally. gonna play guitar right now and i'm gonna be musical with it right now that's a skill yeah right? but there's something to be said uh, on the other side of that is like if i re- if i don't feel like it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna feel good about playing the guitar yeah so why would i do it 
Yeah, you know? it's like Steve Vai has one of my favorite quotes on that matter. And this is paraphrased. I don't remember exactly what he said. But he was like, um, I'm a musician 100% of the time, but I'm only being musical like 10% of the time. And he goes, but what I get out of that 10% is more than most get out of pretending to be 100% all the time. Yeah, and it's, that's so it's smart. True. So like, w- I know that when I'm like feeling a day, like, yeah, I'm just going to shed all day. Like I will get so much done that I don't have to feel bad about being like, oh, I only played for half an hour today. And even when I did, I just played autumn leaves for half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, if I think anything that you practice, if you practice it for a short amount of time, but you're really intense about it and you're very, yeah. you're very like, like mindful about what you're, what you're playing, like you're playing, let's use autumn leaves for a good example. Like yeah. I'm playing this song in, well, not, let's not pick it. G, you know, let's pick like, like E flat yeah. or something, right? You're playing it in E flat, and you you want to work on like a certain scale or a, a certain sound over a certain chord, yeah, right. So as soon as that that um, like that B flat um, oh, sorry um, like that G seven altered that comes in, yep, right. That would come in in E flat, per yeah, se, like, yeah, yeah, right. As soon as that chord comes in you want to nail a sound nail right sound. right there totally so you're playing the song you go through and you you play it once and as soon as that that that, that comes up and you play that sound and then you stop after the resol- resolution mm-hmm. like did i play that sound yes or no right yeah. and then just go back and do that again i could do that for 20 minutes i've got, I've, I've i've already learned so much more about music and about playing yeah. the guitar than i would if i just tried to shed autumn leaves for like three hours yeah totally whereas like if i pick a pick a chord loop one chord and just say i want to figure out what this sounds like yeah what happens if i play whole tone on this scale and how does that resolve how can i resolve it to e flat minor or sorry a c minor i'm, yeah. I'm mi- mixing up my keys of course but you know like i think that's so much more than just yeah. like i'm gonna sit in the shed and shed for eight hours and then i'm gonna get a coffee and then i'm gonna shed for eight hours it's like yeah. What are you doing? Like, what are you actually trying to shed? Like, that's like, like the difference between playing and practicing. Yeah, because like, like when you're playing, you are practicing. Mm-hmm. But if you the as deliberate as you can be in your practicing, that's going to give you more returns, more freedom in your playing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's what I've know I've found out because I I think as you probably know I got injured playing guitar, right? So um, I'd had to like I was I was playing for tons of hours a day, and then I just I stripped it down to about forty five minutes a day, and I just it would be in 10 or in five minute like inter like sections yeah like five minutes of doing a chromatic scale and then take like a minute totally and then like five minutes of doing something else take a minute and then blah 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 blah. and then the, as more as far as you get then you're you're so intense about your practice that as soon as you're done 45 minutes you're like i don't have to play anymore i don't have to play anymore like yeah. i i'm done like i've worked on stuff i've pr- I've, I've practiced and now everything else after that is just if I'm have if I have a rehearsal, that's not that's not my practice. That's a band's practice or something yeah. like that. You know, it's a don't li- practice it's a rehearsal. That's a waste of time. No, it's <laughs> not. Yeah, practice practice on your own and then go to the rehearsal and and play with yeah. those people and interact with those people. That's a different environment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think that's so important about like when he's what Steve. I said like I'm being musical ten percent. Where it's like if he only does ten percent, he can. That's enough. If yeah. you're if you're that focused on it, you can make it work. Mm-hmm totally here's a good one for you um do you have any advice for people in regards to sustainability as an artist not necessarily as a musician or a touring musician or a teacher or just as an artist because we know that that um that word is like so broad right and people you get stuck sometimes in in like 
the musician life or like the because the artist life is this is the same it's yeah it's all it's all been like sub subsectioned but it's all a blanket it's all the same thing so do you have any advice or any any words on on that and sustainability and like money wise or financial stuff like that or i say okay just because you said money wise yeah one of the things that I'm always conscious of going into gigs or anything like that is just know your bare minimum of what you're willing to work for because it saves you so much frustration. Like if someone's offering me a gig, I'll typically inflate my cost a little bit mm-hmm. and just be like, but I always throw in the line, like I'd be willing to work with you on a price because yeah. depending on the gig, there's going to be so many scenarios, but have brainstorm in your head before you start looking for work of like what you need like i don't know what the everyone's situation is going to be different right yeah so like you got rent you have to pay f- for food you have to do all that stuff so like figure out a rough idea of what you would need yeah because like i'm more than happy to drop my like cost per hour if it's a longer gig or if it's going to be a recurring thing yeah but like if someone wants to give me 20 dollars for two hours and be like oh it's like a little bit less than minimum wage like that's just not even worth my time absolutely so know what you want it's like there. know what you're worth you know yeah it's and I, I don't think that has to come with an ego either i think that's, yeah that's just saying like i understand i've put in the hours to do this thing yeah and I'm worth this much. Like I'm, I deserve to get money for this. Yeah. I deserve to make money do while mm-hmm. doing this. Right. And, and that, ha- and then some, it's suck. It's, it's stereo. It's a stereotype, but like people don't quite understand, like understand that they're like, but what, but like I have a budget. I'm like, yeah, but I got to live, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, like if I, if I'm, if I gig once a week, I want to make enough money in that one week, you know, that, that isn't, is enough that I can actually like, live exist (laughs) exist as a person yeah like you you need to be able to live yeah some people don't don't get that as and that's a very general like broad term but that's what it boils down to. i think another problem is people don't realize especially non-musicians what they actually pay for when they hire a musician they pay for thousands of hours and all the gear and yeah yeah. everything even if you give me five hundred dollars to play your three three hour gig like that doesn't even cover half of the cost of the amp that i brought there yeah which is like i and then again i love doing it and i'm happy to bring stuff like i just love playing music yeah but in your like the hours of preparation i had one gig offer actually recently maybe this is a bad taste but whatever if it bites me in the butt it bites me in the butt later yeah. on but it was a corporate party and they offered they had 20 plus song requests right they wanted me to play for three hours and I was like, cool, like this is going to be a high paying gig. So I talked to the guy about cost. They wanted to pay me $15 for the whole night. I was like, are you serious? That's crazy. <laughs> so I just didn't even reply to that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's like in, in, in that world. It's like, like, yeah, that blows my mind. Yeah. That's such a low number. It's below minimum wage for what I'm actually doing. Plus the hours of work to do the request. And like, I'm more than happy to learn songs that are like outside of my typical yeah. repertoire. Like I played a. Recently, I played a barbecue. It was a private private event, and I had to learn two and a half hours of Hawaiian themed music. And obviously, like, I'm not. I didn't play truly honorable Hawaiian music yeah. because I have not studied that <laughs> at all, other than when I was cramming for that gig. But like, yeah. I'm so more than happy to put in the work to learn new repertoire. But if you're not willing to like compensate accordingly for that, that's I just a little bit ridiculous. Some, sometimes it boils down to respect too. It's like. 
It's like, it almost seems like that's not a respectful thing to just say like $15 for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, like that I'm like, it's almost like offensive to me. It's like, are you serious? Do you think I'm worth that little? Like, yeah. as a, not even as a musician, as an artist, like as a person, no person should have to like, should work a job like that where they make that little yeah. and uh, expect to be able to live. Yeah. That's, it's not, not it's worth like, it. Yeah. It's like maybe if you were like my best friend and there was like stuff in it for me, like I got free food or whatever. Like, yeah. But if, if you're looking to book a professional musician for a gig, $5 an hour is not going to No, it. no. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So I think the main thing that you're saying is like, just know your worth. Yeah. Like know what you, what you want. That's and then, so yeah. important. And then I guess relating back to that question, the only other thing is like, there's so much, so much. There's fewer barriers in today's world as an artist, like the releasing music on Spotify and iTunes and Apple Music. Yeah. Like it's like just do stuff, because like even if it's I'm still like I just turned 19. I don't really know where I'm gonna end up in music or what I'm gonna end up doing. But yeah. it's like why not do what you're like apply what you're learning now and do something with it. Yeah. And get some like, results out of it because like, there's no barrier yeah. anymore really. Like don't just shed all the time and then like do nothing yeah you know? that was the thing that i was shocked about when i um came to school because even when i like moved to vancouver and went to cap i was into um my experiences in like punk and metal bands where it's like the diy culture is so strong yeah and like talking to people who are like oh like i need to get a record deal before i can do that or oh, i need to do this and it's like spend 500 dollars on a interface and record your album in your room spend like yeah 30 hours watching youtube tutorials and you can come up with something that's pretty much as good as you would get on a skimped budget on yeah. a label so and, and there's a lot of there's like softwares and like companies now that you just like send your recordings to they just master them for you yeah you just get them back and you're like i'm good yeah <laughs> it's like all you need is stems all you need is raw the rawest form of stem you could possibly think of yeah and you're fine <laughs> it's like it's pretty easy it's unreal yeah you know even back home in red deer like we were it was like that diy culture too is like yeah me like getting me and my buddies like doing bands and getting the recording stuff and like doing demos in like a tiny room in our basement and stuff in the pop punk world right when you come out here and yeah everyone just like sheds and then they just like don't get gigs and they don't they don't some some people like don't work for gigs they don't want it's like almost feels like they don't want the gig yeah you know where it's like me i'm like please (laughs) give me those gigs i need them i want them you know i want those gigs yeah yeah and i want to i'll fight for those gigs right and some people don't want to fight for them or they'll just and i find i'm not sure if you find this too but in vancouver um in the jazz scene i think it's more like some people are like the gigs are fed through the grapevine you know like if you're if you're in a with a certain person you just you get those gigs and you don't have to try for those gigs you, yeah, you I think I, I think that would be a factor in anywhere you go. Totally, like, even in the like punk and metal scene back in Victoria, like that would happen. Yeah, but yeah, no, especially if you're unknown, and especially in our position where we came from other cities, it's yeah. like you have to hustle a little extra hard to totally. even try and get your foot in the door. Yeah, but I think you know once you do in whatever style you want or whatever whatever you want to do, like whenever when when you get your foot in, you're in, you know, yeah. and you can do it finally, which is so cool. Yeah, that's like the other thing that you need to think about when you're looking for those two is like, how do I make myself of enough value to take this per- or mm-hmm. not necessarily take this job from this person, but to get this job instead of them? Yeah. Or and then another aspect of that is that how do like do does does being my own original like person like get me that gig? 
or like can playing my original music get me enough gigs yeah because some people though like a lot of people here will just play like jazz standards and like swing um not say swing era but like the, in the jazz standards world from world from like the just thir- great 30s to the yeah. to the 60s right like totally. they'll, they'll play that that's that era of music right and they get so many gigs right Whereas like there's some some people that are making amazing beautiful original music and they're not getting those gigs, yeah, you know, or like the rock pop gigs of covering the like, cover bands for the for the rock pop world from like the '60s to the mm, six basically '60s to like the '90s. I'd say it even extends or even to, to the now. 2000s. Yeah, 2000s. Like it depends on the artist, like Bruno yeah. Mars. Yo, yeah, he's all in there. 2010s, yeah. 2000, you know, like that from the rock pop world from the '60s onward, I guess. Totally, yeah. Those people get way more gigs than people who are doing original music sometimes, right? Yeah. In 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 a in a local scene, and Definitely. so it's like, what do you want to do? Like, do you do you want to just hustle your own original music and hope it hope someone catches on? Yeah. Which is an unfortunate thing to say. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but um, <laughs> or do you want to do you want to dabble in everything? Do you want to do a jazz standard gig, then do a rock pop gig, and then do yeah. an original music gig? And you know, I know there's been stories of people that would like do the like do cover um cover bands which i guess you could you could you could call like a jazz like an american songbook band a cover band tech technically Mm -hmm. it's kind of weird because jazz world doesn't they don't think like that but you you could do cover bands all day monday to friday and then saturday you just play your own original music and you're like yes it's my day off i get i get to play myself like finally it's so cool yeah yeah here's another one for you okay um stereotypes within the, the the music field like have you ever experienced stereotypes as a musician or and also as like just in the music industry? Yeah. Um, honestly, I don't think I, well, okay. Like I'm a, I'm a white dude. I'm yeah. a cis white dude. Yeah. So I haven't really faced anything that I would chalk up as unreasonable. The only thing that I think I've really seen is that, and I'm sure you get it too in the jazz world is having yeah. tattoos. Totally. And wearing very tight women's jeans yeah <laughs> like just um vi- visual aesthetic and stuff yeah. like that and people like thinking that you, since you look a certain way that you play a certain style of music or that you should you should do a certain thing or act a certain way or something, yeah, something like totally. that totally so like when i first came to cap uh a bunch of my peers would be like oh like you look like you play metal and i was like well actually i play both but <laughs> yeah like and that's that's really the only thing i've experienced totally um, and then, like, I guess outside of it, like, a lot of my friends or whatever don't really understand, like, my friends who aren't musicians don't understand, like, why I'm studying jazz, because they think it's, like, old grandma music and whatever. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I, I, you know, I get that, too. People are like, ooh, jazz. I'm like, that's not the point. The point- yeah, they have such, like, an antiquated view of what that word even it's means. It's like, yeah, the word is dumb, in my opinion. It's, 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 el- it's elitist. The music, it, the music is elitist, and it's so annoying. Because to me, like jazz means like basically two things, which is kind of cool. I think it means like like an appreciation for complex harmony. Yeah. In a strict musical sense, because like when you think of jazz harmony, you think of complex harmony. You think of polychords. You think of weird chords and chords that don't make sense and odd odd chord progressions that are that are strange and they're more soundscapey and stuff, right? Yeah. And so I think that's a part of it for me is that when you think of jazz, I think of things that aren't that harmony that is more, it's more complex. Mm -hmm. But I also think of it as like a communication. Like I think of jazz as like a, if you think of music as a language, I think of jazz as a, um, um, like, um, it's so hard to explain, but I think of it as more like, um, 
like open dialogue and open communicate communication mm-hmm. instead of like um written down um essays yeah. in english you know because like a classical piece like a bach piece could be like a has been es- untouched for the last 500 yeah. years <laughs> and, could, and could be like an essay you know yeah. or like like a like a thesis yeah. you know, or something like that right it's written down it's word for word it's you play it like this you play it and you read it in the style of this mm. this is what it says but then in jazz you you it's almost like debate mm-hmm. where you like you read the head with your group of people and you're yeah. like hey let's talk about this all the things you are or you know in like an english like actual debate yeah sense you like let's talk about gender studies right and then all of a sudden you talk about it for a bit and then everyone improvises and they say what they want to say on top of that and i think that's mm, that's yeah. pretty cool and i think that you can and it's almost like in another sense of like Shakespeare, you know, like when you, when you do Shakespeare, they, they talk in a certain way, like in Shakespearean English or all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Whereas like, that's almost like the different styles of jazz, like, um, um, like bebop, like a bebop language, like bebop licks, like those licks are very specific. They come out. Yeah. And if you want to say something from a certain, like you want to reference a certain start, a certain period in time, pull out a bebop, bebop lick. And if you're playing music from a certain time period, you don't have to play those licks like if you're playing scrapple from the apple yeah. per se you don't have to play bebop licks on it That's but true. but it makes sense to play bebop licks on it because it was written in a time period where that was the language and that language yeah. makes the most sense on top of that music totally right do you kind of see where i'm getting at yeah no, it's a, that's kind of the way i think about it, about it and so i i've n- and it took me a while to figure out this is my fourth year studying it yeah. so it's like taking all all of the time i've spent wondering what the, what the fuck is jazz like what i don't it? know what it is and this yeah. is that's what it is to me it's just like some sort of language and an interest in complexity which is kind of cool yeah yeah i think the way that i view jazz is because like i am partially of the opinion that like genres in music end up being oppressive to Ye- like what they actually absolutely but then it's also like you i still think that we need to have them because like i've worked in record stores and it just makes life a lot easier for everyone at yeah, the end of the day it's very systematic but yeah. i also understand why artists hate being abs- like labeled and pegged as that absolutely but the way that i look at jazz is i tend to think of it as a fairly broad umbrella term for intensely creative and improvised music totally yeah. And improvisation is such a heavy factor in jazz. Whenever yeah. you hear jazz, it usually has that. Yeah, right? that was like the one jazz element that was the hardest, I think, to include on like my album. Right. Because everything's written and programmed in my Right, room. yeah, yeah. So everything has like, or not everything, I shouldn't say everything. I think eight of the ten songs have improvised solos on it. Right. Where the, which was really funny because it's so different than improvising, like when you're playing in a group with your friends. Absolutely, versus yeah. Versus playing with your headphones on in your basement suite apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so most of the songs I tried to incorporate the element of improvisation because I feel like that's such a freeing and important musical aspect. Yeah, and I think even if you're not playing jazz, if if you understand that like how to play improvised music, you take that into your composed music you know yeah. you, you bring that in and someone will say yeah play these two chords but you might you might when someone says play a g chord you might play a voicing that they would that when they play the song they only play open chords per se and, yeah but when you back them up you've improvised a voicing totally. that you think adds in right adds to the music and that that small amount of improv yeah is it adds to the music so much totally just so cool 
That's pretty cool, man. I got one good question for you. Okay. It's the most abstract question in the entire world. All right. Um, it's pretty. I'm not gonna say hard to answer, but like it's uh something that I, there isn't really a right or a wrong answer. It's just an answer. It's your okay. answer, which is kind of cool. But um, like, why do you continue to do what you do? Like, why do you continue to do art? It's a loaded question. That's a big question. It's hard, <laughs> right? Um. Jeez. Yeah. Um. I guess just like the reason that I do it is because I've never really found something that I loved to do more. And um, as I've like recently quit my job and been fielding more gigs and stuff, I feel it more and more and more is because when you're doing something in an artistic field, you, um, and especially if you're like mainly self-employed in that field, you don't really get breaks or time off from what you're doing. Yeah. But my brain since I was nine has always been thinking about music 24 seven anyways. So like when I'm on the bus to school or whatever, I'm like thinking of different voicings or like how I could play something different or running skill positions in my head. Yeah. And so honestly, I just haven't been able to clear it out of my head since I was nine. So like maybe there'll come a day where that like, I don't have any questions left to ask music. I highly doubt that day will ever come, but it's just been a, constant search and like you can relate to this because you're a guitar player it's just like the happiest part of my day is that like you just throw on the strap and you sit there for a second and you look down at your guitar and you're like this is badass yeah <laughs> this is dope yeah you just put it you get all your gear set up you know you sit and you have your guitar and you're like it's my guitar it's dope yeah. it's my stuff it's my this is like my extension of me it's totally. so cool yeah so i think just like that joy of discovery and exploring has always just kept me there and i don't see any reason it's gonna stop that's sweet yeah that's pretty cool well thanks for thanks for doing this of this course episode. thanks for having me yeah yeah so let's, we gotta plug we gotta plug your album again yeah okay so the album's rosedale um if you search matt francisini on any streaming service you use itunes buy it on itunes i'll make more money that way and i'd love you forever but uh <laughs> Any way you can listen to it, um, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, just Matt Francisini. I'm sure my name will be spelled in the uh, title of this episode, so you can probably yeah. copy and paste that. Just just Google it. Just copy and paste and then Google search. Exactly. And you, yeah. will, you will be there. And, and then I also got a, uh, if you don't want to do that, I got a website, mattfrancisini.com, with all clickable social links. And yeah. So, so what you- you're telling me is I could copy and paste that into my search bar and your website would just pop up. Probably. Not even, I, I not ha- even I on tested the not search even, engine optimization, but probably. not even on Google. I wouldn't even have to just Google it. I could just mattfrancisini.com. Could I Siri? Could I like use my phone to be like, take me to Matt Francis's website? <laughs> we're doing it. We're doing it right now. <laughs> we're doing it live. Take me to Matt Francisini's website. It's probably gonna butcher my name. Here's what I found on the web for take me to Matt Francesini's website. Hey, whoa. Did it actually work? It did. It's got uh, Matt Francesini homepage on Facebook, uh, your, okay. t- your Twitter. Um, somebody else whose Twitter name is at Matt. That's not me. <laughs> I'm Matt G. Fran, I believe. Oh, no, that's a different. Okay, well, it'll, it'll There's get, a couple it'll get different you the ballpark. But we got the first one was Canadian guitarist and composer. So that's the one that we need. Yeah, there you go. So you could just Siri <laughs> Matt Francisini and he will show up. You could probably Alexa too. You could probably even um um Google Google Home. 
Yeah. You could use any any service you want. You, or, you, or you could just copy and paste it. You could just copy. And paste it. You could just copy. And <laughs> However paste it. you find it, it works. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, this is a cool special bonus episode. Uh, this has been really fun, and we're gonna we're gonna sign off now and eat some more grapes. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> well, stay tuned. <laughs>